Contracts are a little scary, am I right? When you're starting your business and you want to protect yourself, they seem so important. And here's the thing, you're going to get better over time with contracts. Let me tell you more. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey everyone, Emily Reagan here. I have been doing the freelance thing for a decade now, helping business owners with their social media, grow their email list, build their sales funnels, do all kinds of things on the back end. I am a good visionary, a good strategist, and I have been called a VA for years. And we all know that I was doing a lot more of that work. Some of the work I did was per project. Some of it has been hourly. And in the last seven years, I've helped, I lost count. I was at 53 clients, probably more. And here's the thing, I am not the best when it comes to contracts. It was something I never really had to do early on because I had so much work I was doing hourly. I started off with a lot of clients and then built myself into their rotation where I was protected. But from now on, and for the last couple of years, really, last year or two, I've had to bring contracts into my business because I'm working with newer clients. I'm working with higher-end projects, higher-end budgets, and I need to protect myself. So let's talk about contracts because a lot of my students get stuck on this, and we do give them a template inside the Digital Media VA Crash Course. But over time, you're going to be adding on to it and making it fit your business. Now, it's good to get a lawyer involved. Just know that this is my disclaimer. I am not giving legal advice here, and it's always best to have a lawyer on your side, right? So that way I'm not held liable here. But contracts can be really simple. There's three big things you need to have, and we'll talk about that here in the podcast, and then I have tons of other ideas for you. But you can start off simple and add to it. It doesn't need to hold you back. It doesn't need to prevent you from saying yes to the gig, and you don't even have to have one. And I'll tell you what, I've very rarely been screwed over by the client. And even if I did have a contract, Sometimes the amount has been so nominal that I'm not necessarily going to be going to small claims court or anything. I will tell you a quick story. I got my undergrad in broadcast and electronic media, and I got a business minor. And the semester I took a contract law class was the semester I had a crazy roommate who lied about everything under the sun. And I could see the flags were coming at me from the moment I said yes to being her roommate. I should have known better. But anyway, long story short, I ended up suing her in small claims court because she breached her contract. And it was really empowering to know that a piece of paper could protect me. And in college, I didn't have a lot of free spending money. I really couldn't afford to pay rent by myself when I had rented a two-bedroom apartment with her. It was a quad And I won because the contract very clearly stated how long the payments were to go. And she left with four months left in the contract. And so it was a very empowering situation. (laughs) And I feel like that's another story for another time. But I learned very early on the power of contracts. When I started my business, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And now I do use them. So 
The reason you want to use contracts is it does make you look professional. When you are in a client discovery call and you can say what the next steps are, when you can send over a contract that protects yourself, it puts you in a new league. And the beautiful thing is that it puts you in a position where you're not working for them. You're working with them. You are the contract bringing your skills to the table. You have just as much power to terminate the contract, set the contract, set the terms. And this puts you at a whole new level. You're not the underling here. Contracts are important for this. And you look kind of dumb if you don't have one when they ask you for one, right? It really just puts you on an upper level playing field. As a contractor, a service provider with a contractor business, you're an independent contractor, you should have a contract. Contracts protect you. And the number one advice I've gotten with them is that clear is kind. It protects you, it protects your client, and it documents your relationship, your expectations, and it puts your relationship as something to be taken serious. It sets the tone for your working relationship, how people will be treating you, how you will treat them, and it also makes sure you get paid. Okay, so let's dive into the three big things. Okay, here are the top three things you need for your client contractor as a freelancer. This applies to whether you're working on a project, a per-project basis, or you have an ongoing retainer-based work Maybe you're more like a teammate, you're doing 20 hours a week, but you still need to protect yourself. Okay, number one, your fee, what you are charging straight up. You cannot forget to put that in there. That's kind of obvious, right? But with that fee comes number two, your services. What is the scope of your services? What are your responsibilities? This is really important. So you set your scope so clients don't come into the situation expecting one thing, you were on a different page going to deliver something else. It puts you on the same page. And again, being clear is kind. It sets you both up for success. The third thing you really need to have is your payment terms. I'll go into some more about some of the services, but the third thing you need to have is your payment terms. How and when will you get paid? I think the logistics is just as important as the the when. I've had clients want to send me a check in the mail. You need to be very specific about how. You also need to say when. How long do they have to pay? Is there a 30-day period? Is it due on a receipt? Like what is expected? I kind of got into it with a client a little bit because we ended up having to go over and find details how a monthly project would be split. Is it paid beginning of the month? Is the second half paid on the 15th? Is it paid when the work is done? Like be as specific as possible. You'll also want to include late fees. What if they don't pay you on time? What are the late fees that they accrue? Business owners might not pay you right away. That happens sometimes with my best clients and it takes them a little while. And sometimes it can be a deal breaker down the road, right? But if there's a late fee in there, they're going to be taking you more serious, right? You'll also want to include deposit amounts, extra fees. Are you being paid per milestone? Are you being paid per project? Are you being paid per hour? All of that will give you clarity and help set your contract to be something that is firm and totally agreeable here. For instance, you might be invoicing your client via PayPal. Maybe invoices that aren't paid on time accrue 10% each week. Like There's lots of different options there. 
And of course, you want to make sure you get the contract signed. This is when I like the software or the app. I think it's software. DocHub, that's really good for signing contracts. It does the signatures really nicely and everything. But um, you can do this in any kind of like PDF type supporting software, right? Okay, so there's more things we could include, but those are your top three. And you can start off with a client, learn things that you want to add, learn things you want to take away, and you can be refining this contract. It's a living document, right? You can add the next client and change things. What worked for you, what didn't work. Be constantly adding and refining your contract. Eventually, you're going to be to this sweet spot where you're booked out, you're making more of the calls, what you will do and what you will not do and what you'll put up with and what you'll not put up with, like all of that stuff. You will be in a power position when you're the service provider who has a great reputation and is booked out because you can just move on to the next client when the contract isn't being followed. Okay, so let's talk about a few other things that you could include in the contract that sometimes we often forget. Like we got the big three things. Let's talk about communication and boundaries in general. How is the client allowed to contact you? How do you work together? Is it through email? Is it through Voxer? Is Facebook messaging okay? I would start setting your boundaries and be as clear as possible about what the effective and chosen communication method is. Is it a Slack channel? Is it email? Like There are so many options and you'll start to know what works best for you and you can start dictating that, right? You don't have to do Voxer, which is very difficult, I feel like, to track things if that doesn't work for you. You can say per contract, you know, you need to email me. I need it in writing. You know, you set the tone there. Let's talk about boundaries. When are you available? Very early on, you can set the tone of the relationship. You can either enable the client to take advantage of you and get used to you being available 24-7, thinking that they're the only client and you're available whenever they need you at their beck and call, or you can set boundaries. What are your office hours? When are your blackout zones? When do you not work? You need to train your client early on to follow those rules. Otherwise, they will expect 24-7 access to you. You're also going to want to talk about turnaround times. I've had clients that think that just because they give you something that morning, you will have it ready for them that later that day. What are your required turnaround times? Do you need 24 hours? Do you need 48 hours? Here's a little hint. Add 20% to your time in case things go awry. If you're a mom working at home, who knows? If you had a sick kid, you don't want that contract to burn you, right? Think about how much time you need and don't be afraid to make it longer than you actually could do the work just to protect yourself and so you can have time off, right? If somebody gives you a Facebook ad, if your client gives you a Facebook ad, your turnaround time could be very much a week to set it up. What happens if they don't give you their deliverables on time and you can't do your work? That can be in your contract. And I'm kind of laughing right now because my podcast editor wants my podcast episodes a week ahead of time so she can do her job. And there's stuff in the contract, stuff is my legal term, that if I don't turn it in on time, What happens? Is there a fee? Does she skip my work in my chart? I don't know. That's something for you to think about. I've had clients who I help them with their podcast and they got used to just turning things in really late and it would screw up me as the manager. It would screw up the podcast editor and 
all of that should have been in the contract that I can't do my work without these set provisions. Sometimes your work might need client approvals. At what point does your client get on board, approve where you're at with the project so you can move forward? Those built-in client approvals will help protect yourself so you don't just do all of the work and have be going down the wrong rabbit hole. And what happens when the client doesn't do their part of it? What if they don't sign up on things? What happens to the project then? Is it stalled? Do you wait for them? That should be all in the contract to protect yourself. So if you are stalling because they're not doing their part of the agreement, you're not penalized. I know, I feel like I'm getting a little bit negative here, but these are just things to think about. And I want to remind you, for the most part, I haven't had a lot of trouble with this. But it's always better to be clear about your contracts and what you expect so you can get your work done. It's all to help you out in the long run. Here's another thing you might not have thought about. If you're working as a unicorn virtual assistant, or maybe you're a team player, who do you report to? Who do you communicate with? It can be really frustrating to join a team thinking you're working with the client only to learn that there's a super bitchy project manager that's now your new, quote, boss. All of that should be clear in the contract. Hey, I've put together a checklist when you are writing your next contract. Just go to emilyreaganpr.com slash contract and you'll get a checklist for making sure that you're protected in your next new client onboarding. All right, back to the show. Now let's talk about fees. There are certain situations where clients might disappear, they might need quick turnaround times, and you can protect yourself with different kinds of fees. Okay, you could have a rush job fee. If they need something done quickly and you're free to do it, how much is the charge? Do you have fees for overtime? If you agree to a 20 hours a week and they're constantly pulling 30 hours out of you, what are you going to charge? Are you going to charge time and a half when your client repeatedly needs more hours? I mean, I would. (laughs) I totally would. I'd also consider whether I'd even do the hours too. There's also restart fees. If you have a client, you agree to a project and, you know, stuff happens, whether they're ghosting you or life gets hard or they put it back on the back burner, do you charge a restart fee to pick back up where you were? Maybe you were making progress on their project and they want to put it on hold and now you're moving on to other clients, other projects. Maybe they didn't tell you and keep you in the loop. Maybe they did, but there could be a restart fee because you were making good progress and now you have to go back to square zero. Context switching is not fun and it shouldn't be your fault for some of these scenarios. Also, let's talk about retainer hours. Most of my unicorn virtual assistants sign up with a team. They're expecting to work, I don't know, anywhere between five or 20, sometimes more hours a week with a client. But sometimes clients don't have the work. So what happens? Do those hours roll over? Are they paying for the hours that they don't use, that they don't supply you with work or bother to communicate with you? If those hours do roll over, how many months can they keep them? It's like the cell phone days with those minutes rolling over, right? Do they expire after a certain time point? Is there an overcharge when you go over the retainer hours? That's still kind of related here. And also, 
they do want to tap into the retainer hours later, is there a cap on how much and when? Do they need to commit to those hours two weeks out? I would really specify this because I've seen this happen with clients probably more than anything else where they think they're ready to hire a VA, then they're not quite prepared, and then they kind of put you off and take you as serious. And then you've racked and stacked these retainer hours, but you don't quite have the work. So what happens? Work out the scenarios. Like what is advantageous to you? And of course, we want to talk about the contract length, right? You don't want to lock yourself into a 12-month contract with a brand new client, right? You might only want to do monthly, three months. It might depend on the project, right? If you're doing something like podcast guesting and public relations pitching and managing their influencer program, that takes time. Signing up with a client to do their social media and they expect results within one month is asinine. You might want to have a minimum contract agreement, maybe three months, maybe six months. Think about that and think about the metrics you can track and think about if you can accomplish the results they want. How much time do you need to accomplish those results, right? Some contracts, when you're doing more admin Unicorn work, implementer work, maybe that's okay to be more month to month, but you do want to lock yourself into set hours. You want to be able to predict your income and your cash flow. So having clients agree to a minimum amount of hours if you're doing that type of work, but how many months? And some contracts you might want to go longer, maybe you don't. Protect yourself too, because I've started off with clients and realized it wasn't a good fit, and I was really glad I didn't commit myself to even a three-month, right? Listen to your gut. There might be some red flags involved, and you might not want to sign the dotted line on any of that. And then, of course, this brings me to the termination. What happens if you or the client want to cancel the agreement? Just put in writing how that happens. I haven't had that happen to me a lot, but there's been some mutual clients and I who have parted. You're going to have to ask yourself, will I keep the deposit? Will there be a fee? Is there any kind of repercussion? Think about that. Now, I have a few little bonus things to think about when it comes to contracts. And the cool thing is you can find tons of contract templates online for freelancers, right? Like I said, there's one inside of the crash course, but all of this can vary based on the type of work and the types of services you do. But my extra, extra advice is to give yourself a way out if the client is not doing their share. You can't build a client's business without their help, without their approval, without their input. If you're finding yourself doing a lot of the work because you are in that unicorn virtual assistant role, you want to make sure you give yourself an out and give yourself an out for a client that is just not, that's difficult to work with. You also want to discuss work ownership. I talked about this a little bit with my friend Ino in our portfolio challenge, which you can still actually go sign up for. It's all recorded now. But we talked a lot about when you create the graphics, do you own them? Is it okay for you to use them in your portfolio? Is it okay for you to post it on social media? Or do you need to have intellectual property rights? You need to make sure that you can release your work, that you can even talk about what clients you're working with. More often than not, the default is yes, but sometimes you'll have a client who might say, no, you're not allowed to talk about this until after a launch or so many years later, or maybe the client retains intellectual property rights. 
This is getting into higher level contracts, stuff to think about as you move to more of a project-based freelance business. Who retains the rights to those deliverables? In some occasions, I have signed an NDA for confidentiality. That's a non-disclosure agreement. I think that's very important. Business owners don't need their teammates going around blabbing their mouth about all of the drama or anything that went bad or sideways. Uh, Sometimes if you're working for competitors, you might want to disclose who you're working for and go ahead and have an NDA to protect yourself so it doesn't look like you're sharing. I was in a really weird situation once and it was all a fluke. And the stars lined up and it looked like I told one client about this other thing with another client and it was had to do with a release date. Could I be any more vague? Okay, let me try to be more specific. They were both doing affiliate marketing and there was a, a release date for this surprise type product. And one client, I was already working on getting it prepped for whenever this thing would be released. And then the other client had insight to the actual release date. And I thought, this is so funny because I prepped this other one and I'm doing the same work for both of them, but I'm not going to like tattle. Like I'm not going to run off to each other and say, guess what so-and-so told me. But it might have looked like that because of the timing, right? And really I had just, you know, the other client A and I had just been thinking ahead. Client B gave me some insider trading information, (laughs) And I didn't share it. But if I had had an NDA, I think that confidence would have been there. I didn't have one. I didn't really need one. But that was a situation where I just ended up feeling weird. And if I had had an NDA, I could have been like, look, you can trust me. Don't worry. I'm not going to talk about that. Contracts shouldn't be as scary as you might think. You can start off with the basics and add to it. You might get burned here and there. I've honestly only had one client never pay me. And he had all of the warning flags, some of his flags right now while I'm here. He had a problem with Etsy. He had a problem with PayPal. Like when somebody's having issues with big time software companies, I know it's him, not me. And that should have been, that should have been a big warning flag. And the other flag was him was just being cash strapped in general. And sometimes when a client hires you right away and they're expecting these like, fantasy results and they didn't communicate what they were expecting, right? Um, I was actually doing Pinterest for him. And of course, you're not getting overnight results with Pinterest. We all know that. You can get bumps in sales here and there, but if you're not spending money on the Pinterest algorithm, it can take time to build up from nothing. So anyway, I kind of wasn't surprised when he jipped me, but at the time, it was only a few hours a month doing Pinterest. It was not a big deal. But now as I do higher level, client work or VIP days, or I do these high-level quiz funnels, that's when you need to have contracts, right? When is the money due? What's the scope of the work? What's not the scope of the work is just as important. And what is the fee? What's the actual fee? There can be no fighting about what that fee was when it's in writing, right? I hope this helps you. Last week, I had an episode with Braden Drake. He talked a little bit about contracts. If you want to go back and listen to that, that's episode 37. He's the tax lawyer guy. He actually has his program open right now, and I'm a partner, and I wanted to tell you about it because I think it can help a lot of you who do get stuck on the independent contractor business. This could be good for creatives who are providing a service 
or the service providers who are running their own business. And you have to get smart on quarterly taxes, feel good about your legal entity, tracking your expenses, like all of that behind the scenes business stuff. And that's what Braden can help with. His program is called Unfuck Your Business. And that is open right now just for a couple more days. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to check it out. It could be for somebody who will feel good having a lawyer on their side, right? This could be a good program for you. Making sure you do the right steps to do the LLC, making sure you have those extra layers of legal protection that are so important and, you know, 1099s, all of that fun stuff when you are just starting out in business, when it's new to you. So the core idea of Braden's program is that every business owner has a responsibility to be the true CEO and accomplish this money stuff and tax stuff in their business. You can't just, you know, close your ears, cover your eyes and pretend it doesn't exist, right? You have to know these things when you're running your own business. It's taught the UFYB program is taught over five modules in Braden's signature framework. I think you can learn a lot if you're just starting out and this is something that's holding you back. Okay, so check that out. I'm so thankful for you joining me here today. Contracts are a doozy. There's a lot to consider. I wish you the best. I know every time you write a contract, every time you work with a client, you're just going to get smarter and smarter. Give yourself permission not to be perfect, to have it all figured out. Because you're growing, your business is growing, and you're going places, and things are going to happen, right? And a contract will be there to help you make sure you at least get paid. All right, I'll see you next week. We're going to be talking to Shanti Zach. I'm bringing her back to the podcast to talk about quiz funnels. That's all about helping business owners grow their email list with interactive marketing. Now, Quiz Funnels is one of the high-level services I'm doing with my friend that Linda is doing a lot of the copywriting. I'm doing a lot of the tech integration and marketing. And together, we have put together these high-end packages for business owners. And Shanti was our coach. Linda and I took the program together. We've learned from Shanti over the years. And I've invited her to come here on the show and talk about her quizzes what makes them successful, and how to write one that doesn't suck. And this could be something for you to do in your freelance business, whether it's to gain clients or as a service for clients. Okay, now that you're done listening to the episode, go to the link in the show notes, emilyreaganpr.com slash contract, and you can download a checklist to make sure your next contract has everything you need to protect yourself and get paid. Okay, I'll see you next week. Bye. ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become a unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. When clients don't want, I don't even know what I was saying there. You can make me sound smart, right? Okay, here's another thing you might not have thought to. Here's another, okay. Uh, what is, <laughs> that was kind of annoying. Eh.